What are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there's no fashion statements being made here today. That's You're seeing exactly right. I've got a Katmandu jacket on in the back room of my house because I haven't done my washing. <laughs> and my, uh, my jumpers are running short. I made a rookie error this morning. I went for a walk with a mate. Um, another 16K walk. We're getting into the, the hiking side of things. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But I was about to leave and my wife came out and was like, hey, what, what are you doing? I said, what, what are you talking about? I had running shorts on and like a just a casual jumper that you would wear out to a restaurant for dinner. She goes, where's a running jumper, mate? So, well, if someone hasn't done the washing, she goes, well, no, no, mate, it's 2022, you do the washing. And I said, mate, don't don't speak to me like that. Just, you know what I mean? Just if you could do the washing, it would just make everyone's life easier. She's like, but I've got a valid point, don't I? Like, you could do it. I said, well, technically, I've heard some people try and make that argument, but I think it's a, I think it's a tough sell considering I'm a man. It's, it's just a funny little joke to kickstart the podcast. I mean, you've got to be careful with what you say on this thing. You, you want to hear some reviews of how the podcast is going? I told you guys a story a couple of weeks ago about my little boy and finding a mushroom on the floor. And I thought, this is a funny little clip. How funny is this? So I posted it on Instagram. I didn't even realize, but it, it posts directly to Facebook as well. And so I thought, oh, well, uh, for, for whatever reason, every now and then I'll, I'll log on to Facebook just to see what's going on. Not a common thing. And I saw that I had 50 comments and there was 400 likes on a thing. And I thought, well, pop culture, hang on a second. What's going on here? So I thought, I can't wait to see what everyone's saying about this. So I clicked on the photo. I clicked on the video. I thought, I'm really excited to, to read these comments because, you know, obviously obviously we're off to a good thing. Uh, my, my kid's first mushroom experience was the title of the video. Let's have a look. So it was a story where I said, uh, I, lo- I got given a, a magic mushroom in a lolly form. I dropped it on a floor. A couple of weeks later, my, my son picked it up. It was in his mouth and we caught him. I made a funny little joke. I got permission off my wife and everything to post it. I thought, this will bring the house down. Comments. Delete this was the first one. That's that's 10 likes, which, which isn't overly uh, complimentary. I mean, I put it up there thinking this will... This will get a good response. The fact that 10 people have liked that makes me a little little upset. Ian Lukasik, why do people make up stories like this? Seven likes. Um, a little more gentle. I feel like he understands at least the fact that the story had some sugar poured on it. So let's just, we'll keep going. Uh, parent of the year, fair little, little fun. This lady took a, a bit more of a serious approach. She said, let's hope his neurological pathways bounce back without any serious neurological repercussions. Oh, she did a little sweat and laugh face on it. So I'm thinking she, I think she's just having a little bit of fun. But George Collins came in swinging. Lol, posting this online about your kid taking your drugs because you're a shit parent, nine likes. Unf- yeah, I'm not happy. It's the likes that hurt more than the comment. Because if no one likes it, that person looks silly. They're sitting there by themselves, just embarrassed at the comment they've made. Maybe they come back later and delete it. But the fact that it's got nine likes, that's enough moral support for a person to leave their comment there. Shane Ratings, I hope they make it that you have to have a license for your kid. Okay, fair enough. This one hurt a bit. Uh, Scott Valor, I like his direct, how direct he was. Uh, dead set fuckwit. I'm not sure if he's referring to me or Charlie there. Um, so we'll just assume he's talking about my kid because he, he wouldn't have been talking about me with my with my charm, charisma, and funny stories. Stephanie Jean, this isn't even funny. Eight likes. How that's not even a that's not even a clever comment. That's just an opinion. 
but I guess eight people have the right to like it. Rachel Amber, you know, if this is true, this is neglect and grounds for removal. Dad has a habit. It's my first time, not a habit. You have to do it at least twice, I think, for it to be considered a habit. You can't do. You can't go to the gym, the gym once and say I'm addicted to it. I mean, this this argument has flaws already. Rach, I appreciate your feedback, but you know, if this is true, Dad has a habit. Dad doesn't have a habit. Dad was at the start of his habit. It wasn't a habit at that time. It was just a hobby. It was the first time. I was just having a little turn. I wanted to see what it was like. Now I'm addicted. Grants for removal should be in the discussion. 12 likes. The fact that you think this is funny is disgraceful. That's the kind of, that was John Barton, Johnny Barton. I appreciate that. What I like about that is most of the things I think are funny are disgraceful. In fact, most of the things I think are funny, I can't say on this podcast because that's how disgraceful they are. Though you're, though you're critiquing my joke, the fact is, I feel like you know me better than anyone on this feed so far. Paul Duffy, what a flog. Just a classic old Aussie line. That was good. Uh, Benny McLeod, if this is true, you don't deserve to be a father. Well, it is true. Most of it. Most of it's true. But the part the part at the end where I said my, my son said he was seeing unicorns wasn't true. He can't talk. He might have been seeing unicorns. There's a very good chance he was because it was strong and his body size was too small to be uh, consuming that volume. Benny McLeod, all right. Sierra Williams, I'm so sorry, but this is proper child neglect. Oh, this is what's stressing me out. The fact that no one had, had made this comment. I'm sorry, this is proper child neglect. How do you not see what you dropped? Ah, yeah. Also, how does it stay on the ground for a couple of weeks? Whole story is a clusterfuck. <laughs> what the? Yeah. This guy just tagged his mate, Cam Dixon. This is you as a dad. Thanks, Lee, for tagging you, mate. I felt like we just needed a little bit of a, a break in here. They don't get much better. I thought this was good, and we'll see based on how many likes it got, how good it was. I said, relax, everyone. I'm way more cautious with these doses now. And Kerry G just wrote back to us, read the room. I thought, fair comment. <laughs> I'm surprised no one commented about the fact the floors hadn't been vacuumed. That was what was most concerning to me. How do you leave, uh, if you hadn't heard the story, the, the story went that there was a, a mushroom lolly on the floor for a couple of weeks, which would be an incredible stress for me. If there was a mushroom lolly on my floor for a couple of weeks, my concern wouldn't be the safety of my son. It would be the fact that the floors hadn't been vacuumed. What was my wife doing would be my question. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a, uh, if you're a visitor, I just wanted to say welcome to the party. I appreciate your comments. You're all very funny. Uh, that bloke who said that this isn't even funny, I just I appreciate your direct nature of your comment. I feel like we're good. Uh, Facebook comments are weird as well because there's there's no grounds for context really, is there? Like no one. Let's see if I'm coming across blurry there. I feel like I'm coming across a little bit blurry. Don't you think they're they're a little bit strange because no one's saying, "Hey, uh, Tyson, is this true?" They just come out with their opinions, which is what's fun about Facebook. I think that's social media in a nutshell. I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the world just to, because people wish they could be more direct. Not everyone can act like an 80-year-old man who's a little bit fed up with the way that life's going and, you know, just tell you what they really think. We've, all, we've got a long journey ahead. We've got a lot of way to go to, uh, you know, we've got, to, we've got to be careful with the way that we navigate through life. So I think Facebook statuses are a great example of a place where you can just say your true feeling because you don't have to see the response of the person you're giving it to. Now, lucky enough that I think I agree with every one of those comments, especially the bloke who said, what a flog. I, how do you argue that? It's a good point. And so I just wanted to say if you've... Uh, 
you know. If you've come here for an apology, I'd like to apologize to you because you're not getting one. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not even funny. I, just, I, thought that was a, I thought that was interesting. I did a story which was far more positive on spinning my kid around a couple of weeks earlier. That one got a, a little bit of laugh. One lady wrote a comment on there I thought was funny. She wrote, why is every story you share uh, an example of how much of an irresponsible father you are? Well, I said, well, maybe it has to do with the fact that I am an irresponsible father. I'm not sure. It's, uh, should meet my wife, though. She makes up for both of us is, is what they say. And, you know, like the old, the old adage goes, if the dad's a dickhead, the mum's double as good. You haven't heard that one, have you? Oh, that's that's why I'm here. We're bringing fresh stories every day. I wanted to I wanted to let you guys know what's going on. I wanted to let you know about the emotional state that I'm going through. It's uh, I appreciate a little bit of honesty as well. It's we need more honesty in our life because I, I was raised on dishonesty. Yeah, you wouldn't believe it. I remember the first time I found out that Santa wasn't real. My mum had been telling me he was real for years, lying to my face till I was eight years old. So I had to get to school because all my mates believed that Santa was still true. I had to go and break the news to him. I finally came out with the truth. I got all my friends around and said, boys, I need to tell you something. Santa's not real. One of the teachers pulled me aside and said, Tice, that is disgusting. How dare you go and tell all your friends that Santa's not real? This is the thing. People need to learn a little bit more about honesty. I was I was brave enough to break the truth of what my mum had been lying to me about for so long to all of my friends, and yet I got in trouble for breaking that. I think, here's the thing. I think parents need to have a good hard look in the mirror and go, all right, well, I've been lying to my kid for so long. If I'm one of those parents who's so uptight that my kid finds out the truth about Santa and shares it with his friend, and I think it's okay to go and have a look at him and tell him off for being so naughty, I'm the bad parent. I'm the bad. How, how do kids get, how do we get punished with that blame? We're just trying to let our mates know that we found out something real. And these parents have come back and said, no, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you one thing. Not only are you naughty, for telling everyone else, but you're in trouble for being honest. Don't you know what it means to be an adult? You got to learn to. You got to learn to keep the truth to yourself. Sometimes you can't just be out there telling your friends about this truth that you've found out. Parents don't often get the opportunity to have a proper conversation with kids about what it is that they're doing as well. I think the example of parents who, you know, I'm in two minds about whether we tell. I guess you have to tell your kid that Santa's real, don't you? Like, what fun's Christmas Day if you realise that Mums has gone down to Bunnings? I'm not sure why Bunnings would be her option. If you're going to Bunnings for your kid's six-year-old gift, you're, you're selfish. Because there's no doubt, that's like my mate who bought his mum an ACDC present, uh, CD for her 50th birthday. She doesn't even like ACDC. She doesn't even really like music. It was, a, it was a double buy. It looked good for him to buy her a gift, but the truth was it was a, a gift to himself. Hmm, I'm not sure how I started talking about re-gifting just then my brain did something I, I wasn't quite ready to keep up with and now I'm a little bit stuck but where was I going with that I wanted to talk to you about lying and honesty I think parents sometimes see things in in too biased a perspective like I remember once I was at basketball training when I was a kid I was about eight years old it was a Tuesday getting ready for our weekend game for our weekly it was our weekly training session and we used to do that thing where a kid gets a ball and you, you wrestle it out of each other's arms and the winner gets the ball and the loser, you know, they cop shit from their friend for the next couple of hours for being a little pussy. But I remember we were, being on the, we were on the basketball court and, uh, you know, someone had a shot, someone grabbed the ball, I went to grab it, other teams, we wrestled for it. 
I won. And in the process, you can get thrown around a little bit. The other kid ended up on the ground. And it was all par for the course. All my mates knew that it was just a part of the game that we were playing. And I, was, I shat myself because his mum got out of the car, which overlooked the basketball court. And she sprinted up towards me. And as she got close to me, she started going, who the hell do you think you are? I was like, what are you? I was genuinely confused. And she was disgusted. I think she. I think it's confusing for, maybe she didn't come from a, a sporting family. You know, those ones here, you've got those parents who they don't necessarily come from a sporting family. And their little chubby kid wants to get involved in a local sport, maybe to fit in with the kids from school a little better. But they don't understand the element of what that sport entails. And, and so I think this was one of those mums. I, I can't remember her clearly. I just remember the anger on her face and the fear that I held as she ran towards me because I was like, this bitch doesn't know that her kid's just a pussy and I'm in the right here. And you look back to it because my basketball coach pulled me aside and said, yeah, Tice, that isn't really acceptable. I said, well, you've been teaching me that for the last two years. I've, I've simply adopted the passion that you tell me to have for the ball and I've implemented it in a practical way. And now that I've done that, you're saying that it was not called for? How, how did this come about? I feel, Then you look back and I even feel sorry for her because she would have been 15. But it's weird how age... Age really varies according on how old you are, doesn't it? Like, I remember being a kid and, and I was five years old and thinking, man, it'd be crazy when I'm 18. Like, that's a real adult. Now I look at an 18-year-old and I go, hang on a second. They're very young. My friend and I were talking about this on the weekend, actually. We were speaking about how, I remember in high school, I would see an 18-year-old girl and I'd go, hello. In fact, I remember the days I would used to look at a, a year nine girl and be like, oh, damn you got to get out, out of that real quick, don't you? Because as a 35-year-old man, if you're driving past a year nine student going, oh, damn, you're a pedophile is essentially the truth. I'm not sure if, I don't know if that actually classes you as a pedophile to be truthful. I think a, ped, a pedophile is someone who acts on that thought. Because we're all, we, am I just, I feel, I feel as though I came across as though I was justifying that then. I don't want to sound like I'm, justifying those kind of things. What It started with me saying I no longer look at 18-year-olds as attractive because the age gap is too big. And I think that's a pretty clear sign that you're getting older. If you can look at someone that you once clearly remember looking at and thinking she's very attractive, and now you can say, well, I can't think that. And not only you can't think that, but you don't think that because you're too old. Uh, you know, it's a sign of progression. All of a sudden, you catch yourself looking at the mother of three kids who's in relatively good shape, going, she's quite attractive. You go, well, what's just happened there? Because you say she's quite attractive, but the problem is when she sits down, her belly flops over her pet. How is this pretty? To those of you whose belly does flop over your pants a little bit, I don't mean to critique you personally. I'm just, it's an observation. I actually, uh, the, the point started with me saying it's, it's quite attractive. Trying to see if this camera's a. I think this camera's a, a little blurry. Hopefully, I've just brought myself into focus there. If you're just listening to it, you've uh, you've just heard about a little technical issue that I'm trying to solve. My camera here looks a little more blurry than I would like it to, which is a good thing because no one wants to. I haven't done my hair, and I'm wearing a Catman do jacket. This is the Aussie winters. Age is funny like that, isn't it? It's a. Uh... It's a weird thing. On the walk this morning, so we uh, I'm here in Point Lonsdale. My mate met me at quarter past six, first light, and we went outside. I had a Kathmandu jacket. 2015, I went to Nepal. I got myself absolutely loaded on Kathmandu gear, and one of the jackets was a waterproof jacket that I, I took to Kathmandu, and it was just a wind blocker. 
but it's very thick. So it's good if you're below zero. Uh, but it's my only waterproof jacket. So on a, a morning like this morning where it was raining a little bit, my only option was, all right, either I wear this this uh, cotton jacket, which should be worn to a restaurant, just by itself, let it get wet, or I put the jacket, which is designed for 4,000 metres altitude, and it's going to be far too hot for this particular scenario. And I went with that. I just went with the uh, I went with the jacket on top. And towards the end of the, the walk, we ran the first 5Ks, and then we stopped for a coffee because... You know, after five k's of running, you feel as though you deserve it. We went down here to a little cafe called Grow. They make as much as I love Pasquini's, the local cafe. Grow, Grow's a better option if you're a wanker with coffee and you like something a little bit fancy. So we went into Grow there. I got my oat milk flat white, uh, which has wanker written all over it. My mate got his almond milk latte. Um, so we look like a gay couple, which is fine. Towards the end of it, we were speaking about how interesting it is as you get older. How Have you noticed that everyone, as they get older, they just get a little bit grumpier? Um, what is that? Because it's not even, I just thought it was an old man thing. Because everyone in Point Lonsdale, the average age down here is, I would genuinely guess, it's coming down because there's a lot of us youngsters coming up. I say I'm a youngster, but we'll get to that in a minute. There's a lot of us uh, younger people coming down in context of who it is we're referring ourselves to or comparing ourselves to. But the average age is, say, 60, maybe. But there's a lot of people way older than that. They're the kind of people that when you walk along a beach path, I'll walk past them, and I'll say, morning, and they'll just go. When you get to just a head nod, I think either you've had a rough morning, granted that could be the case, or something in your life, you've hit a speed bump, and you, I think you need a little bit of Tony Robbins. Something needs to change when you just get to a head nod. Like, if you can't even give people a smile. I think the last two years have been tough on all of us as well. So maybe these guys are, maybe they're just a little bit nervous to, to be back out in public. Older people, they got into it a little bit later than us. We all heard that we were safe to get back outside and older people didn't quite believe it. So there could just be an element of that. But old dogs, you've got to be careful of as well. Because my boy, he's going through a phase now where like every dog that we go past, he want to go up and pat. And you can, you can judge a book by its cover, I think, when it comes to dogs, because he'll go up to a Cocker Spaniel, and Cocker Spaniels, they've never heard anyone, I don't think. Don't Google that. But from my own experience, I've, I've never heard that a Cocker Spaniel's harmed a little kid. But then once that Cocker Spaniel starts getting a little bit of grey hair around the chin, around the eyes, it starts to, it starts to get a little more, uh, I don't know, it's a little more jumpy. It's a little more nerve-wracking. There's certain dogs that I keep him away from like that. But old men are the same. You just never know what you're going to get. We had a bloke down here in the middle of lockdown. who. So we're at the beach. There's no one around. And there were just people going for a walk just along the beach. And these people were just minding their own business. He was down at the beach. And he was running up to them, no joke, going, where's your mask? It's like, we're, we're at the beach, mate. Oh, no one cares. <laughs> So that's the kind of environment that we're living in. It's not everyone. There's some people down here who are very happy to be down here as well. I always thought that the smaller towns were, were going to be a little more friendly than they are. I think there's a there's a little bit of a trade-off because while you get, uh, you know, you definitely get a little more fresh air, there's a little bit more in touch with nature, there's some bush paths. It's a, it's a slower pace of life down here. But I think the trade-off that you make is people are a little bit more up in up in each other's business. You know, they take it upon themselves to to share their opinions on what they think you should be doing in regards to face masks, even if there's just one or two of you down at the beach and no one else around. Because I think facts and logic don't really matter as much as, you know, the emotions of a situation like that.
So you see a little bit of that down here. You see a little bit of that. Well, the other day I was out with my one little man Charlie boy and we were just gone for a walk and a, a bike, there was there was no one else around. There was so much room on the path and there was a bike ride. Do I sound like an angry man actually now I'm saying this? Because I feel as though in my observation of cynicism, I'm actually bringing a little bit of it to the table, which is, you got to watch it as you get older. I do notice it, but I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a, a couple of goals that you set for yourself have fallen short a little bit. And as a result, the you know, your youthful optimism might evaporate a little bit if you're not careful. But the reverse is true. There's plenty of 70-year-olds out there who are, you know, incredibly happy people. And there's something far more attractive about a happy, seven, not sexually, but I just mean as a person to speak to. There's something far more attractive about a happy 70-year-old than there is just a happy 30-year-old. Because I think we know that the odds of being happy at that age get a little bit more difficult. But we were down at this bike path the other day and no one around my little boy and I just walking along. And the bloke came up behind us yelling, bike, path, bike. I, go, I looked around and there was, there was 10 metres to our right that he could have gone. He's ringing his bell. He wasn't happy unless we were completely off the path. And I thought, well, that's not, that's not a logical thing. That's obviously, he's had an argument with his wife or he's aged very badly. Maybe a combination of both. Same thing was true a couple of weeks ago. We had a we had a running group go past three ladies, and I was on the bike path. I'm a runner, so I know the etiquette of running pretty well. And you don't have to be that fussy. You don't have to be that uptight. You can just go. In fact, my runs are constantly just running around people, mainly because I'm that bloody quick. I mean, people are just constantly getting in the way. Do you know what I mean? I'm not even joking, mate. Have you seen me run? Such a weird thing to brag about, isn't it? Being a fast runner. It's not a sexy thing. That's why I never had a girlfriend in high school. That's what I say anyway. People say, do you have a girlfriend in high school? I go, nah, mate, I'm a, I was a distant runner. They go, well, those two aren't mutually exclusive. I go, well, till you take your shirt off. huh? The last thing a girl wants to feel is herself getting poked in the side of the head by one of your ribs. See how sexy you are when that happens. But I had a lady there yelling out, runners, runners on the path, coming past. Just go on the grass, dickhead. Running's a funny thing as well because there's so many people out there. You'll see those hobby joggers and all of a sudden I'll just be out for an easy run and someone's obviously decided they're going to go for a hard run. They're going to use me as the target. I'm like the rabbit uh, for them being a greyhound, if you know what I mean, if you understand that example. So I'll be running along and all of a sudden I'll hear these people breathing heavily. I'm, like, I'm on an easy run and these guys have set themselves some finish line 200 metres ahead that I don't even realise I'm racing them towards. I'll be running along the path and all of a sudden they start sprinting. They dip at the line. I go, what are you dipping for? Where are we racing to? I'll jog up past them, still not sweating. They'll go, hey, good effort, mate. Next time you'll get me. I, go, I wasn't, if I was racing you, I would have been here way before you. They're like, I've heard that. People tell me that often, mate. I'm fit. Don't worry about it. You have a good day. But I go, no, well, first of all, this wasn't a, you've got you to gotta establish clearly the start and finish points of these races. You can't just be coming up with a racetrack willy-nilly and assuming that I'm on the same page as you. That's ridiculous. That's why marathons all have a universal start and finish line, you know, for the New York marathon at least. What I meant by that is the Melbourne Marathon doesn't have the same start and finish line as New York, but each year it has a start and finish line which is agreed upon by the race organisers and all the athletes. So you know if you've fairly won or lost. Can't be coming past me on my easy run and dipping to a finish line when I'm 15 minutes into a 45-minute easy run and think you're the champ. Mate, I saw your man tits as you came past. You're not even a good runner. 
I love watching new runners get involved in the sport as well because it's like like any hobby. When you start enjoying something, you want to get more involved in it. And I think running is one of those sports that people overcomplicate a lot. They 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 like to have all the. Whenever I see someone with a, a drink bottle belt, I I just assume that they're new to the sport, especially when they have a drink bottle belt. And I say, how how far are you running? They're like, oh, I'm going to try and go six k's. I go, well, you don't you don't need a drink bottle belt. Nothing's going to happen. There's drink taps along the way. Why did you need that? They're like, I just got caught up in the excitement of the new sport that I'm in. At least they can admit it. Because there's certain sports like that. I think running is one. You've got your Garmin, which is a sports watch, which measures the distance. You can get fancy shoes. There's so many different kinds of shorts and shirts that you can get, different hats, different singlets, different drink bottles. Uh, and then there's different races just to, you know, just to get you excited. I'm not much of a gadgets man though. Gadgets have never really done too much for me. I never get really, I, I like the simple side of things. The most exciting thing or the most gadgety kind of thing I've ever taken part in was by force and that's day trading where you need certain software to be able to do it. I have to, they're not even gadgets as much as they are. They're just software. Like you can't put it on your wrist. I'm sure there's some forms of it that you can put on your wrist, but the ones that I, I use, I'm, uh, you know, I don't need them on my wrist. They're they're quite good. They're quite good just on the screens. But um, yeah, some people are some people are just gadget freaks. I think it goes hand in hand. Those type A personalities are real gadget freaks. I think they're the kind of people. It's like yeah, anyone with an aura ring is a gadget freak. Anyone with an aura ring, they're overcomplicating it. You don't need to know what your heart rate was when you were sleeping last night. I know it's helpful and I know it's fun to look at the numbers, but it really, just have a have a rest. You'd rest far more deeply if you weren't stressed about, you know, what your heart rate was or your sleep quality was. I remember one day my friend from running, my old running coach, woke up at my place. He came in and said, mate, I just got a PB for sleep. I go, well, what does that even mean? He goes, I'm not 100% sure, but my watch just told me it was a PB, so I just wanted to let you know. It's all, I mean, you can't, you can't complain about a PB, but when you start to measure PBs in sleep, it just makes going to bed too stressful. I told you guys last week, the most stressful thing that you can do going to bed is have anticipation that something else has to be achieved. My mum used to always come in to me and say, Tice, if you're not in bed in 10 minutes, my mum, she used to, sorry, I, stuffed, I bloody stuffed up the setup, didn't I? She used to come in and say, Tice, if you're not asleep in 10 minutes, there's going to be trouble which is the worst way to try and get someone to relax. It's like my boy going to bed. I go, mate, if you're not asleep in a couple of minutes, I'll give you a bag of jelly beans. He's like, oh, okay, I'm not going to do sleep just then. I'm just going to relax right here till those jelly beans come back. I guess, unless he's a health freak and just, he, yeah, you don't really know that stuff when you're two though. It's funny, my mum was saying the other day, because we had my boy's two-year-old birthday party, or second birthday party, they call them now, and uh, she bought him a big tub of ice cream to share at the party. There must have been there must have been twenty kids, and she goes, "Mate, this was a treat for you and the kids at school when when it was one of your birthdays." So hey, we'll do the same for a little bit of a a little bit of a, a reminisce on the old times. And apparently, she was there so excited to dish up the ice creams and the ice cream cones. And then it came time for ice cream, and so many parents were like, "Oh, actually, just a little bit, just a little bit for my boy, just a little bit for my girl." Apparently, there's a a far more health conscious. Um, you know, parent congregation than what there were in the early 90s, which is probably a good thing. I mean, I'm pretty sure my mum smoked for the whole pregnancy, which don't look into too far because there'd be plenty of criticisms around my personality and just my temperament as a bloke, which you could probably boil down to, you know, me being born to a, a mother who smoked Peter Jackson 25s right up until my birthday. I, I, I don't know if that's entirely true. Sorry, mum, if I've just made that up and look, made you look bad. But I remember... Australia hasn't always been like a really soft space. I remember when I was about five, we used to live around the corner from a milk bar 
And my mum would give me money and say, hey, can you go buy me a packet of Peter Jackson 30s? And I would get around there and be like, hey, Peter. I wouldn't say, hey, Peter. That was the name of the cigarettes. I would get around the corner and go, hey, Sandra, uh, just grab a packet of Peter Jackson 30s. And she never asked any questions. She was just like, oh, you're a kid of the 90s. Your mum's probably a heavy smoker. This isn't going to be for you and your friends at school. Here's a packet of cigarettes for you, mate. Go home, give them to your mum. Don't smoke any on the way. Am I right? Thanks, Sandra. It's funny as well, that was around the same time they sold those chocolate cigarettes or those lolly cigarettes called fags. They got rid of that real quick, didn't they? We've gotten rid of fags once the, uh, you know, once the, once the negative connotations of what that meant to homosexuals got thrown around, we thought, well, we can't be associating such a pleasurable taste with such a negative name. Sorry about the pun. You know what I mean? You can't be using the F word and talking about the pleasurable taste of things in your mouth. Because we all know it would be bitter. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's disgusting. I don't know for a fact. I can just imagine. I was drunk that one night. I can't remember the taste. No. The terrible humor. See, this is the thing that you can't put in a clip and post on Facebook. Because people are... I can already hear the comments. This guy's a homophobe. No, I'm not. I just don't like the taste. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like I've got nothing against eggplant. I just don't want it in my mouth. It's very good for you. It's very healthy. But put it near my chin, I'll start getting panicked. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not a natural environment for me. It's not something that I want there. I'm not saying if you want that kind of stuff near your mouth that it's a bad thing. I'm just saying different horses for different courses. Yeah. I'm I'm going to be cancelled in, in no time, I think. There's certain things that you just can't say in 2022, and I've bloody said all of them. But, uh, yeah, I've thrown myself off. It was weird in the early 90s, though, how certain things were acceptable. Like, if you saw a kid buying cigarettes today, you'd go, this kid's got a bad habit. He needs to be checked into rehab. And also, we need to speak to a school psychologist. Back in the day, if you had a Peter Jackson 30s, you're just like, what a good son, hey? Going to look after his mum. <laughs> uh, the idea of smoking while having a kid as well just seems preposterous in its entirety. I don't know how many, I've never seen parents, like I think any parent who's doing that these days is doing it in private. No one's, no one's doing that publicly anymore, are they? No one's, you know, got a cigarette in their mouth while they're nine months pregnant. It's just not a good look. But that's what you're into? You do you, as they say. You do you. You do you, that's advice that's thrown around far too casually, isn't it? I think that's how OnlyFans came about. I'm pretty sure. You do you. Really, mum? Wow, this is me. Holy shit. Stephanie, look at those puppies. <laughs> How much did you get paid? <laughs> Should I start one? There would be a market for that as well. There'd be plenty of people who are interested in older women, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. It, you do use not great advice, is it? Especially when you hear that that was the advice that inspired Hitler as a kid. His mum said to him, you do you. And he goes, oh, really? I've got some pretty bad designs. Oh, don't worry about it. People will understand. Huh? Your truth is every like, I don't know, what am I even talking about? Hitler wasn't, just for context, in case his family comes back to sue me. That's not financial advice, there's no guarantee that Hitler was actually giving that advice as a kid. He just had a couple of bad thoughts and uh, as a result, you know. Anyway. I've, uh, I've been frustrated lately because I'm, I'm obsessed with watching surfing. I absolutely love watching surfing. I've been so, so into, I think I told you guys, a documentary series called The Lost Tapes. It's about Kelly Slater. Uh, I think it's about his journey into Pipeline, but it's a bit more of a documentary about his life and what he gets up to in and around the the summer surf calendar. And, uh, man, I love it. I love watching where he goes. I love looking at the waves, at the beaches, just at the culture. It looks amazing. And then I go to the beach. I go, I don't want to do it. 
But I, like, there's a part of me deep down that wants to get into it. There's a part of me that's like, nah, just, just watch it, Tice. It's more fun. It's like me with skateboarding. Like, I really appreciate a good skater. But then that you give me a skateboard and say, go down to the skateboard. I don't want to do it anymore because I understand the significance of concussion and CTE. It's just not a, it's not glamorous to me. There's certain things like that. Like, there's plenty of elements of people's lives where I think they just enjoy watching it more than they like doing it. I mean, you could see the low-hanging fruit. There's plenty of correlations. You could say that I think the, the culture of um, porn is pretty clear in our world. I'm not sure. I think men just in general, they like they like sex. So I was going to say they enjoy watching that and not doing it, but I think they enjoy both, to be honest. Just just not with their elderly wives, am I right? No, that's that cancelled again. Comments on Facebook, what a dickhead. Who is this guy? You can't say that about your wife. <laughs> oh, man. It's funny. Like, as you get older, there's certain things. I was at a vintage store yesterday, and it was a, there was a couple of things that led to this. So my wife asked me to go down to Queenscliff to the IGA, get her a can of cannellini beans. Um, not because I'm the bitch, but just because, you know, I was sort of contributing nothing to dinner. And she had asked me to get two cans earlier in the day, and I came home with one. Because simple instructions are too complex for old ties and popplestone at times because I've got a lot of important stuff going through my mind. And if you start chucking bloody cannellini beans at me there's a good chance i'm not going to remember so i got down there and on the way i was listening to that gold 104.3 is the radio station down here they call it golden oldies and it's a radio station that forever the songs that uh, have been on there i'm like i don't really know these songs and then just yesterday i was like oh they must be playing a couple of new songs and i realized no this is from 1994 and it brings back positive childhood memories and it now fits into that 28 year old category which probably qualifies it to be on the golden oldies and i thought hang on a second there's been a theme in my week this week where I've realised that not only are 18-year-olds not attractive, but the songs I used to like as a kid are now on Golden Oldies. And then I went into a vintage store. This It sounds like a made-up story. This is 100% the sequence of events. IGA's one side of the road. Other side of the road, there's a vintage store here in Queenscliff. We went in there and uh, they had a whole uh, closet. Not closet, it's like a glass cabinet. A cabinet of... Uh, of collectibles and they had those little trolls from 90s and they were sort of old old collectibles and i said to the lady i was like these aren't that old and she's like oh they're from the early 90s i thought holy shit all right this is clearly a theme and i remember they were because i collected them as a kid i used to love them those and basketball cards man i i'm actually still so sad about this i had the ultimate collection of basketball cards when i was about five years old i think maybe they got given to me and then I remember I had them stored in like a shoebox under my bed for ages. And then for whatever reason, I just chucked them out. But they're one of those things. It's one of those sentimental things that when I see them, and I was reminded of this yesterday because they also sold basketball cards and football cards at the back of the room, the old select cards if you're a, uh, if you're an Aussie, Aussie bloke raised in the 90s. And I thought, ah, they were going for a dollar a card. I mean, it's not huge money. If I would have had 500 cards. That's the thing with cards, though. You can't sell them. You've just got to keep holding on to it and hope that in the year 2050, they're worth a million dollars. It's a risky investment. And they're pretty expensive as well. I think they're costing you five bucks a packet. So five bucks for five cards. I mean, that's a that's 100 packets. You're paying 500 bucks anyway for cards, aren't you? So really, you're just hoping to get your money back is what I've just realized here live on air, live on the Pop Culture Podcast. But it's good they had Bart Simpson replicas and um, they're good, those vintage stores, I reckon. It's just, that, yeah, they're clearly started by someone who uh, I'm pretty sure, like my father in law's just got too much stuff. They're too emotionally connected to it. And as a result, 
they can't chuck it out. So they just, they go, well, if I have to get rid of this, well, at least what I'll do, I'll, um, I'll sell it. I'll at least get a little bit of money for it. That's the vibe it's got to it anyway, because it's it's quite eclectic. They've got very random things, overpriced things, I'm going to be honest. I saw a Bart Simpson toy on a skateboard. I'm pretty sure I still have one at home at my mum's house in the Don't Throw This Out, because it reminds me of childhood for Ticey Boy, for my mum, that is. And that was gone for 25 bucks. I think I bought it for two bucks in one of those. You know those little things where you put $2 in, you twist it, and the toy comes out? Wouldn't be a bad investment. My dad said to me the other day, what you got to do every time you're given a toy for Charlie in a packet... Just keep it in the packet for 30 years because then it'll go for a few hundred bucks. I go, well, again, if we're speaking about numbers, if we're speaking about how much the weight, how much that 30-year weight is worth, like if this if this toy car goes from 300 to 250, is it really worth it? I mean, it's just taking up space. How much did it cost to store with all your other stuff you didn't need? It's interesting watching. I like those kind of places because people get sentimental in the old in the old vintage stores where they go around, oh, man, this reminded me of when I was 12. Um, it's like a song comes on the radio and does that. It's just, it's interesting watching the energy of people in, in certain places like that. Energy of people in bookshops is my least favourite energy. I'm not sure. I just, especially small bookshops where everyone can sort of hear what other people are saying because I always feel like people are trying to make political comments in bookshops. Like they go to their section or they go to the section they don't like. They're like, this book's, do you know what I mean? Like it's just a wanker kind of a place. If you go into a bookshop, as good as the books might be, you, there'll always be someone there just turning a book back to front because they don't want you to see what's on the cover. Maybe I'm overthinking it. There's a good chance I'm overthinking it. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, but it's just, a, it is a weird, where else is there a weird vibe? Oh, elevators? Elevators are very weird vibes, especially when you're in there with strangers, even with friends. There's something about being put in a confined space with the doors closed that makes you feel like you have to talk. Because if you're there all by you, I hated back in the day, I used to live in a, uh, an apartment in Hawthorne. We lived on the sixth floor and the amount of time, like what do you talk about for six floors? There's nothing because it's only a 15 second journey by the time you get in, press the button. You get in, hey, how you going? How long you been here? It's just, it's purely one of those, you pass each other, uh, you know, down the street and you try and be friendly. Maybe it's not that old people aren't friendly. Maybe it's just the fact that they're sick of small talk. I think the elevators are different though. Elevators are small talk. Bookshops are wank talk. And they're always run by, I think, I think this is true. Like they always seem to be run by super lefties. I know that because I was at readings in Melbourne the other day and everyone in there had a mask on. I was like, COVID, it's finished. We're all done. <laughs> We're all completely done. It's funny, Moulin Rouge closed down a few weeks ago because of the fact that someone tested positive for COVID. And they were like, for the safety of everyone involved, we're going to have to close down this production until this case is done. We can't have anyone exposed to it. Then I had a gig in the city the other night and I called the bartender, or called the bar before I got down there. I said, hey, look, I got COVID. I just want to find out, should I still come? They're like, no one cares about COVID anymore. Come on down. I'm not going to tell you the name of the place because Dan Andrews still cares about COVID and I don't want them to get fined. But it was a uh, it was a silly move because everyone there, that's not even a true story. This is one of those ones. I can hear that bloke going, why do people make up such stories? The truth is, mate, I don't know why I made it up. I thought it was going to be funny. I was trying to make you have a little laugh. You need to relax and everything will get easier. 
It's amazing how quickly your attention can go on this thing. Like, a, I think it's a demonstration of where my mind can go quickly. I was actually, I'm reading a book at the moment called Stolen Focus by that guy, Johan Hari. Johan Hari? I'm listening to the audio book. I always feel like I have to justify it. You know, people when they're like, no, I've been reading these books lately. You're like, you don't read. Like, okay, it's all the book. I was listening to it. I, was having a little, I just wanted to hear what they were saying. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good book. Not good if you like people constantly talking over you and not answering your questions, though. All right, if you listen to a podcast, at least you get the other side. At least in a, audio books are funny because it's only that one person's opinion. No questions answered. I guess it's the same with a book, really. It just feels, it feels more uh, in your face when they... Uh, Feels more in your face. I don't know. I don't know what my point is. I don't know where we're going, but but stolen focus. It's interesting because there's clearly a problem, isn't there? In 2022, like have you know, everyone's. Obsessed. I'm so obsessed with with my. Look at this. I put it on grayscale last night just because. I'm trying to see that you can. Apparently, that's good for your brain. Something about it makes you not want to look at your phone as much. But I was listening to this book and I was like, man, I, I check Instagram so many times a day. I check my emails too many times. So I just gave myself like a blanket rule after reading some of this book, listening, after listening to some of this book, I was like, all right, emails once a day. I'm allowed to do internet scrolling just once a week. And then just try and focus on your work during the other times. And it's hard. So many times today I've been like, all right, let's check Instagram one more time. And my brain's like, you're not allowed to do it. The other part of my brain's like, don't be a pussy. I won't tell anyone. Anyway, so it's interesting. He's got an interesting voice as well. You've got to be careful on audio, Audible because the, the quality of your voice really dictates the, the quality of the book, even if it's good content. Because the way people speak is a big thing. I hate it when people clap. That's why I'm so cautious. I've taken a couple of drinks on this podcast before and listened back to it. And uh, I go, oh, yeah, that was a little bit slappy. You could be making really good points, but if you're if you're chucking out some... You know that banana sound where you're eating a banana? If you're chucking out any of those, it's it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people. He's got he's, he's on the brink of that being true. And some of his stories, if I was on his Facebook page, I'm going to be honest, some of his stories sound made up as well just to prove a point or to make a point. They're good points, but they sound a little bit made up. Funny, one of the funniest comments I ever had on social media was uh, a girl wrote on the bottom of one of my videos. She goes, oh, you have this unique ability just to be subtly funny. And I was like, well, I'm trying to be really funny. I would really appreciate it if you could just come out and tell me that I was really funny because subtle suggests that you can't quite see it there, doesn't it? Like if it's a subtle flavor, it's not really there. It's mildly there. It's just a little bit there. If you're having a curry and they're like, is it spicy? Oh, the spice is subtle. You go, oh, okay, so it's not a problem. It's interesting when you're trying to do a funny podcast and someone comes up to you and goes, hey, your humor is very subtle. You go, what? Like, hard to get? Hard to see? Exactly. That's exactly what I was trying to tell you. You're not funny at all. This would have been a great TED Talk. So thanks for <laughs> thanks for your encouragement. I'll go and work on my subtle funniness until it becomes a bloody, you know, very funny. I wasn't sure what comes after subtle. So I'm pretty sure that very is not the next step down from subtle. But hey, just go with me on these things because we're on a journey together. Before I go, I want to tell you one more story. How stressful is it being 18 years old? I was at a comedy night the other night, and as I was there, uh, there was one of the comedians in uh, on stage was given the, there was a group of about 20 18-year-old guys in there. And I remember being 18, because it's, you still, do, oh, oh, excuse me, I'm not sure what just happened then. You're still kind of trying to find yourself a little bit. You're trying to, not that I'm not, 
But when you're 18, the, the stakes are a little bit high. Like you're full of testosterone, you've got girls you want to impress, and a lot of people are caught up on like money and looks and wealth and career, uh, uh, you know, what do you say? Opportunities. And they were all from Melbourne University, so I think these things are sort of magnified even more there. And uh, one of the comedians is like, I know you're not doing well because you haven't got a pair of RM Williams boots. And this guy goes, yeah, no, I've got three, I've got three pairs of them at home. I've got three pairs. And uh, it just brought back weird memories for me. And I felt like I wanted to share that with you because as an 18-year-old, it's bloody stressful. There's so much you're trying to figure out. I already told you guys that story a few weeks ago. I was 18 when I got invited to a girl's house and I was rubbing her leg. And she goes, oh my gosh, when you do that, it makes me horny. And I said, oh, sorry. And she was looking at me like, what, the, what are you doing? What the hell are you doing? I was like, no, sorry, look, keep my hands to myself. <laughs> like mum used to always say to me when I was a kid, don't, hey, don't do it. So I just, I just started doing these ones. She's like, what are you, what? Don't stop. I was like, no, but hey, you told me, you told me that you grew up in a religious family. I can't have you feeling those feelings. Otherwise it's going to be a pickle for all of us. Not a pickle. That's a, the choice of puns you've got to be careful with. When you're talking about a sexual story like that, you can't say it's going to be a pickle. Anyway, what a little uh, a little firecracker of an episode that was. Charlie's at daycare today. I've got comedy tonight going down to Dirty Secrets, going down to Funny Near the Bunny, Funny Brunny, Funny Bunny or something in St Kilda, so that should be a little bit of fun. Apart from that, people always say, damn, man, you're so disciplined going down to Melbourne a couple of times a week to do your comedy. It's not discipline, really. It's just I miss bath time, I miss dinner time. It's the I get peace and quiet and listen to an audio book and a podcast and my poor wife has to cop it sweet back here with our little man. She's a legend. Chuck on my new favourite band, Idols. I was at a gig the other night here in Geelong and the, the bar that we were at, they just had a TV screen on and it was the Idols, I-D-L-E-S, for those of you interested. They were playing a song on NPR, that Tiny Desk concert, and I couldn't hear the music at all, but the guy, the lead singer's face was... It got my attention big time. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, I've got to go check out these bands. Bit weird, bit out there, bit different, but I love it. I really love it. So do yourself a favor. Make sure you go check that one out. But ladies and gentlemen, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for being here today. And uh, I'm going to go get myself organized for some funny jokes tonight. Um, I'll keep you posted on the feedback of these little clips because I feel like together, I'm trying to bring you into it so I don't feel like I'm navigating this terrain alone. Together, we'll get through it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for stopping by. I'll see you all next week. Cheers.